Hello and welcome to another episode of The Coder Career with me, Cameron Blackwood. Today's guest is Christian Floria. Christian is a highly experienced React developer and runs a training and support program for developers that are self-teaching. Christian joins us today to discuss how he got into technology in the first place, his journey to promotion incredibly rapidly, and the lessons he's taken from that. If you're trying to get your first or second development job, this will be a particularly good episode for you because we discuss a number of strategies on how to learn things quickly and make them stick, and as well as that, impress the recruiters that are going to be looking at your CV. The sponsorship slot this week is dedicated to my own Discord server. If you'd like to join, the link is in the description. We're trying to build a great community of aspiring developers who want to learn from each other. I hope you enjoy today's show. Hi there, Christian. Thanks so much for joining me this evening. How are you doing? Uh, just over here being boring as always. What about yourself? <laughs> yeah, not bad. Can't complain. Just uh, trying to stay warm as the temperatures are dropping. Uh, but um, yeah, I've run up to Christmas, so can't complain. I know it's still a little bit early, but uh, yeah, why not get a bit excited? Yeah, over here in Warsaw, it's quite cold. It's, it's terrifying to get out every Oof. night when I go to the gym. So yeah, <laughs> it definitely wakes me up before I have to go to bed. So yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, it's um, here in Scotland, it's been like sort of, four degrees uh, which is just about manageable but much lower than that i can't really deal with it yeah are you scottish though yeah i am um but i went to um i went to school in london uh and uh i that basically lived it yeah i lived in london for like 20 years so uh i, I yeah i basically sound english <laughs> yeah that's why i was like hmm, this guy doesn't sound like he's scottish at all <laughs> yeah <laughs> means my accent's a bit easier to understand a lot of the time yeah, yeah um for sure. but yeah it's uh, one of those funny ones whenever i'm down in london everyone knows me as the scottish guy but whenever i'm up here uh, everyone knows me as like, oh, it's the English guy, the guy from London. So uh, yeah, I can yeah. never win. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Cool. So for the listeners who aren't aware of uh, who you are, do you want to give like a quick introduction uh, to who you are and what you do? Um, like one of the things that I'm doing right now is I help people uh, break into tech uh, and more specifically get into front-end development uh, help them become React developers. That's what I do. That's on the side. Oh, I mean, in the front, behind the scenes, oh, I'm just a regular guy, you know, just a, you would not really turn your head to to look at me, to be fair. <laughs> no um, more I've boring life. Cool. Well, uh, to get to know you a little bit better as well, I'd like to start things off with some quick fire questions. Um, first one's always a good one for the developers. What was your first ever computer? I think my first computer, I had my first computer when I was 13 or something like that. I, it was an iMac. My mom bought it to me, iMac 21 inch. My Mac, my mom bought it for me so I can make music on it. Oh, nice. What kind of music? Yeah. Electronic music. Oh, uh, uh, I used to produce music. electronic music back in the day. Yeah. I love that stuff. Yeah. I bought it so I can uh, use uh, logic on it. Oh, nice. I used, um, I used to use FL Studio, so I was always on I started uh, with that. I, start, I started a bit with that. I was playing on my mom's computer with it, and then I convinced her to buy me an, uh, an iMac. Yeah, nice. That's, yeah. Um, yeah, it's good. Good, uh, good DAW. DAW thing is called Logic. Um, yeah, I, I played around with it a little bit, but I still edit the podcast in FL Studio, actually. I, I'm just mm-hmm. a, a, bit of a, bit of a nostal- uh, bit of a nostalgic thing, even though I run Mac uh, these days. It does the job, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Does the job. I hope so. Anyway, the listeners can feel free to disagree and message me. <laughs> cool. 
And uh, we were, we were talking just uh, off air, um, and actually a little bit on air as well um, about uh, about cities and locations. But what, what's your favorite tech city? Uh, my favorite tech city, uh, I guess uh, the only real tech city that, that I've been working in is London. But I guess London is not my favorite city. Uh, right now, it's Warsaw. I really like Warsaw. Um, because it has like a good mix of modern and old, hmm. but uh, I would love to live in Hvar in Croatia. It's like a small island. I've been there, but another great taxi that I've heard of, uh, and or I've heard it's a great tech city is Lisbon. I've been there for a week, a couple of years ago, and it's amazing. The food is amazing, and I would maybe in the future I would uh, think about moving there to Lisbon. Nice. Yeah, good climate yeah. for sure. I've heard really good things about the the tech scene in Lisbon. Like, uh, it's one of it's, it's. I I think it could be one of the, the the next big cities in Europe for the tech scene. A lot of cool startups coming out of there. Yeah, yeah, it's really up and coming, for sure. Yeah, nice weather as well, which uh, is always a huge plus. And the uh, and the steak, man, the food I ate in Lisbon is crazy. You know, I I've still remember. I still. <laughs> I still have uh, dreams about that steak that I ate there a while ago. <laughs> You'll have to tell me what the restaurant is. I was hoping to go to Lisbon next year um, for, uh, for my birthday. So I don't yeah. remember the name of the restaurant. That's the problem. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have to try all of them. Yeah, that's the best way. You just got to try all the all the good steak restaurants. Yeah, um, yeah, that um, yeah, that sounds really cool. It's the first time Lisbon's come up actually, and I think this is episode eighteen. So uh, mm-hmm. that's uh, it's an interesting one. But yeah, I think Lisbon underrated city from what I've heard. But um, haven't got out there myself, hoping too soon. And uh, obviously, you're a coder. I'm a coder. Um, what type of music uh, do you listen to that uh, on those days where you just need deep focus? Honestly, I like uh, the hip hop from the. Or the R&B from the early 2000s, right? Uh, right now, I really like to listen to like 80s songs or 90s songs. Uh, I really got into that recently. My favorite song right now is Careless Whisper. It's That's extremely cheesy. It's extremely <laughs> cheesy, but I really like uh, I really like it, you know. Uh, but before that, I was listening to a lot of electronic music, uh, house music, music. Uh, I really liked Steve Angelo. I don't know if you know Steve Angelo. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I know Steve British Angelo. House yeah. Mafia, Axwell, Ingrosso, all those guys. Yeah, that's what I used to listen before. It was more like a religion, but now I'm um, pretty much, I listen to anything really. Yeah, I whack that stuff on um, every now and again as well. Like brings back good memories of university uh, when True. all that mattered was when Avicii's new track, uh, new new track was dropping. Uh, How old are you? That mattered. I am. I'm 26. I turned 26 this year. Ah, I'm 27. So we have the oh, same. Okay. Uh, we are from the same uh, generation, actually. Yeah, yeah. There was uh, that. That was a huge uh, for electronic music fans. I think that's sort of like 2011 to 2015. That was a golden yeah. age. That will never be repeated. Yeah. True. That's when I was uh, producing music as well. Yeah, same yeah. for me. Yeah, I, I uh, yeah, I loved, I loved it, and like, actually, university. I have good memories of university, just locked in the room when I should have been learning programming, co- um, pro- <laughs> programming a, a digital audio workstation till four in the morning, um, yeah, yeah. annoying my flatmates by playing it out loud. Like uh, my mom as well. She told me I'm not gonna have ears. When I, grow up. <laughs> I was warned the same thing and I did actually end up getting a tiny bit of hearing loss so it can happen but it's like 10% but uh yeah I was um I got a telling off from the doctor uh listen to my music too loud apparently I mean it was worth it so oh yeah for yeah. sure yeah that music still uh still slaps to this day for sure. sure and um what what about uh what about your time of day are you an early bird or night owl mm, 
This is an interesting one because I'm in a, I'm a middle of the day kind of guy. Uh, in terms of doing my work, middle of the day. Um, I used to go to bed at 2 a.m. and wake up at 10 for the past three years. Uh, but I recently switched from that and I'm going to bed at around 10, 10 till 12 um, in the... Um, what's the name? Oh, I, f- I forgot the name. So 10 p.m. till 12, right? Mm. Somewhere around that, uh, those hours I'm going to bed now and I wake up at 7, 8. Crazy, really. Uh, in the morning, I do nothing or I go to the gym and then I start working properly around 1 p.m. till 7 p.m., something like that. Nice. Yeah, I've been trying to force myself to be an early bird. It's been kind of my project uh, recently, but it's still getting some used to. Like, I got to the gym at 6.15 this morning and I just literally didn't even want to get out of the car. Just felt sick. It was cold. <laughs> no, I don't want to do that. Like, I want at least one hour before I, after I wake up where I do nothing, you know, before I yeah. even consider doing something, you know. See, I don't trust myself to go back to uh, to not go back to sleep if I do that. That's why I have to get out the door immediately mm. as soon as I wake up. Literally, just have my have like my tracksuit by the door, just yeah, and then just go. Like otherwise, I just know I'm going back to bed. I wake up naturally right now. I wake up naturally. Uh, I started taking this um, supplement for sleeping. I forgot the name of it. It's like a natural thing. Um, it's a natural supplement for sleeping, and I wake up naturally at seven, so I don't have that problem anymore. But I do understand what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I'm hoping hoping it improves, but yeah, I, I, I'll force myself one day to be uh, be an early bird for sure. And uh, what what about pre the code days? I'm wondering if I can predict this answer a little bit. Um, but what mm. job did you want to have when you were a kid? Formula One driver. Oh, I thought you might say DJ F1 driver. Then that, that's cool. Like that. That was the first one. Uh, the first job. Then DJ. Yeah. Uh, and then I wanted to become a lawyer, then a bailiff, <laughs> then I settled for coder, and now I'm uh, teaching people programming. So, nice. Yeah. Are you still a big F1 fan to this day, or was it more when you were a kid? Uh, kind of. Uh, I like um, learning about aerodynamics and how, uh, how they shape their cars and things like that, rather than watching the races. You know, I'm more interested in the car aspect rather than the actual driving. But um, I have uh, on my bucket list uh, going next year to an F1 event in Russia. Oh, nice. Sochi. Yeah. So Mm. that's one thing that I want to do. So let's see if it's going to be possible, you know. Yeah. Fingers crossed with uh, COVID and everything. Hopefully it should be possible. I went to, um, uh, I was a huge fan when I was sort of a teenager and I I went to Silverstone once and it's really cool. Mm. But the only thing I I found about it was um, it's just weird that you can't actually really see the car that well. Um, Mm -hmm. Just as it's going past you and you just got to get yourself on a corner. Um, In fact, actually, I uh, remember Jano Trulli, uh, the Italian guy, um, drove for like Honda or someone. He uh, smashed into a hairpin at Silverstone right in front of me. So um, that was pretty crazy to watch. Just imagining the bill. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Happened so fast. Um, Yeah. That's the crazy thing. It's it's how quickly they stop. Um, That's pretty mad. Yeah. Yeah. The speed is crazy, but the way they stop is even crazier. Yeah. Um, Watching the debris fly everywhere, just thinking, wow, someone is going to be very upset that they have to repair this. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. (laughs) 
yeah, that's um, yeah, definitely one of the cooler jobs that people have uh, said about. Um, so obviously, um, you aren't in F1 at the moment. So uh, you, you've ended up becoming a developer and now also as well, like a, um, a coach almost as a developer. Mm-hmm. So, yep. um, but originally, how did how did your journey into technology start? Where did you get to the point where you became a coder full time? Um, so I I knew about coding uh, when I was in high school. Uh, I had this friend and her boyfriend was a programmer and he was making a lot of money and he had like a flat in the middle of the city, like a, a two stories flat, you know, mm. and I was like, hmm, how, how is, how can this guy afford it? You know, <laughs> did not make sense? No, A plus B <laughs> equals whatever, you know, did not make yeah. any sense. I forgot about it. And then I arrived in London. I was working a dead end job and I was like, I need to do something about this, you know. I can't be uh, washing dishes for the rest of my life, you know, or something like that. So I went into a, a bookshop. I think it was Waterstones, if I remember correctly. And then I saw this book about HTML and CSS, and I was like, hmm, I think I know about this. I think I bought it the next day. And then I started learning by myself, so on and so forth. And... Um, I I gave myself a deadline for a year to get uh, hired, and I've managed to make it. I think in nine, eleven months, something like that. Nice. So that's kind of the timeline over there. That's good going. Because entirely self-teaching, that's really good to be able to do that with. I had a, I had a, I had a mentor, not to the extent that I am doing it right now, but I had someone mm. to talk with and someone that was guiding me uh, a bit uh, and that definitely helped you know and he told me you're ready go for it you know otherwise i would still be i would still be learning to be fair it's a hamster wheel that's the thing really like i i got really um i really spam my tires uh i guess be a good way of putting it are are you self-taught as well yeah, so I, I, I taught myself, uh, I have a business degree, um, left mm-hmm. school. So my, my actual whole niche, partly why I started this podcast, is I used to be a technical recruit, recruiter. Mm-hmm. Um, so really? actually for listeners who may be, because I haven't told this story in 10 episodes, um, I have a, basically, I go I go to university, do a business degree, because I figure probably the best way to make some money, like pretty wide spectrum things you study, I'll find a niche that I'm interested in. Um, I did my final year, like, um, internship, uh, ended up in supply chain, um, actually working in Prague, um, at a, uh, at a large beer company. And I thought, you know, how could I hate doing a job where I work in, uh, in beer? Absolutely hated it. Uh, I realized I didn't enjoy doing, um, supply chain. Um, my job was like basically helping them figure out efficient, uh, routes, which would have been really helpful if I could program, but it never even occurred to me to learn anything like that. Um, so I, I leave, um, realize that, uh, one way I could maybe quickly make some money is going to technical recruitment, um, after university. So I did that for a year, um, realized that like the money actually wasn't as good as everyone said they were making, uh, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. which is often the way in sales. Uh, and, um, I, I realized that actually I could make more money by actually coding myself instead of recruiting the people that coded. So mm-hmm. I spoke to some candidates and I was like, what do you think I should do? Um, and they gave me some advice. So I started teaching myself at night. Um, and then this is the problem. This is where I, I spam my tires for so long. I was coding every day for like over a year. 
And uh, by that point, I was consulting startups as a recruiter were going in on a day rate, just helping helping them recruit. Um, and I, I couldn't I couldn't work out when to make that jump. So what I did in the end, I decided as almost like a promise to myself, I would search for a job as I signed up for like a React course, um, mm-hmm. which wasn't a full boot camp, but it was a React course for like six 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 weeks six, uh, six weeks I think it was. Um, mm-hmm. And then I went in after that. So I was well prepared, but yeah, I should have. It sounds like you had uh, because you went in with the deadline in mind of one year. I wish I'd done something like that because actually I could have been in a full time job probably a year earlier than I actually was in the end. But you know, ended up there eventually. <laughs> there is that saying that if you give yourself x amount of time to get the job mm. done you'll take x amount of time to get it done you know so yeah exactly yeah it's i, I still find that the way with sprint planning uh, as well at the moment if i give myself true. too long i'll take too long to finish the task yeah that's true you'll take it till the last day yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and um in terms of learning new technology obviously you mentioned a book which is quite interesting because like me you learn in the 2010s so a book mm-hmm. has actually gone a bit out of fashion. Would you recommend people learn from books? And what methods would you say are good to learn new technologies? Uh, depending on who am I talking with. Um, is this person a complete beginner? Is this person, you know? That's a good question. Is, I mean, Is it well, you? Uh, yeah. I would say to someone who maybe... Um, maybe a started to learn to code, maybe not quite got their first job yet, or they've gotten a first job and they want to improve. So, so I, I, I kind of split people into four stages and mm-hmm. these four stages apply to literally everything, right? The first one is the, the chicken and the chicken is completely useless. You know, like everything you throw at the chicken is like completely overwhelmed. There's too much happening for them to, to even comprehend, you know, the, the situation, you know, they don't know yeah. what they don't know yet. So that's the chicken. That's we are all chickens at some point. When you started this podcast, you were a chicken. When I started yeah. coding, I was a chicken. Same with everything. Yeah. Then you become a duck, and the duck uh, looks like it's doing a lot of things, right? But can barely fly, can barely swim, and can barely run, right? I think this is the person that you are talking about, the duck, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The person that has some concepts. Well, the best way to learn is to uh, apply the information that you already have and try to break things down, right? Try to look at things and break them down into concepts, you know, without trying to come up with new things yourself, you know, try to understand the patterns. I actually made a video about this recently where you just have to realize that there are a few patterns that you have to understand. And then you have to look at different scenarios and you have to apply those patterns, mapping, looping, uh, modifying objects, etc., etc. But then you have to look at programming outside of the code and see it working on the screen if we are talking about front-end development, if that makes sense. Um, another suggestion that I would give to anyone is to understand the difference between just-in-case learning and just-in-time learning. Well, a lot of people are trying to learn everything in case they might need it, right? Where me and you, we both know that if we start working with a new library, we don't study the whole documentation. We don't do that. We just look at the get started page, which is like, what? Uh, it's like a quick sandbox example. Quick like sandbox, yeah. yeah. And then, you know, I have to change this. Then I'm going to look at that part. I'm going to look at that part. I'm going to look at that part and so on and so forth until I figure out the whole thing. Right. So that's called just in time learning. Yeah. And then with time, as you have 
more exposure to this thing, you gain experience, and then you get better and better and better and more, more proficient as time goes on. Yeah, so this would be my uh, the advice I would give to myself as well. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting um, yeah, it's an interesting way of, of, of putting it because I think people do just get really wrapped up in it. And w- would you say that um, people should avoid relying too much on tutorials then, and maybe just try and build things practically themselves? Because I, I would probably say that. So yes, I agree with you, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, tutorials are made to solve a problem, right? But then you have to have the problem to solve it, right? Because uh, even with uh, with my students, I don't give them all the information. I give them maybe 20% of the information you'd get in a Udemy course, really, right? I don't give them the A, B. I don't show them how to build an entire application from scratch, you know. But I give them just enough so they can build it with their own hands and then learn the skill of Googling and finding how to solve the problem. And they will find the solution or a tutorial for the specific problem that they have, you know? Mm. You know. Yeah, and it, it, I think it's a difficult one to almost put into words, but like how important it is um, for, a, for a junior to be able to understand how to research problem and troubleshoot. I, I Troubleshooting is probably it's, it's the most important skill singular in in software engineering like when i even when i'd started as a software engineer in my in my first you know few months like i really struggled to sometimes understand why a problem was happening and just googling googling things in the right way is actually just so effective uh i i, I found and it, it's the biggest thing that's actually sped up my development is ironically nothing to do with actually coding it's just my research you know skills. everyone has google mm. but i know what to google yeah you know and that's the experience that i have and that's the experience that you have and that's the experience that everyone should get yeah exactly and like um you can yeah just find find, knowing where the useful resources are and and kind of zooming into those and like knowing the usual suspects is what i'd call them like for example for a front-end problem like if i just want to quickly implement a grid or something like that and i can't be bothered with the thinking about exactly what needs to go where i'll just search up examples on code pen like mm-hmm. you can just search like say i mean obviously this is a simple example but three by three grid code pen you immediately mm-hmm. have a load of examples you can see how it is you can interact with it um as a good front end example like there there are so many so many easy ways to research and uh yeah it's, it's easy to get stuck on that tutorial hamster wheel but sure. but you know but you know what you want right but if you don't know that you need a three by three grid then how do you find it you know, like people yeah. need to learn how to put labels on the things that they are looking for, you know, because mm. if you're like, I need a square, well, that's that's a very broad problem. But if you start defining the square that you want, then finding a solution for that problem is going to be easier, you know. And I guess that, that's an, in, an important thing, putting labels on things. And then it brings you back to the patterns. Right, because if you know the patterns, you know the labels that you can search for. And by, by extension, uh, and if I'm talking about like my biggest regrets, um, it's not taking enough notes using an app like Notion or Evernote. Um, I didn't start doing it until later in my career, and uh, there are so many patterns that I follow every day that I know now and that I've taken notes on now. But back before, I was resolving the same problems over and over again, which one is a waste of time. 
and two also as well that time you could be you the opportunity cost of that time is you could be using it to learn another aspect of your skill and speed up your your learning like say for the grid if i make a grid cheat sheet myself with common patterns then mm -hmm. I know how to make a landing page very quickly, for instance, just based off the patterns mm -hmm. I have in notes. And it's something mm -hmm. that I never did enough uh, when I was learning, just nowhere near enough notes. I mean, would mm -hmm. you say the same thing? Just like basically have a whole cheat sheet database? I'm not the note taking guy, bro. Oh, really? I'm really the worst <laughs> at this. I have like, a, I have Notion and then I have, I have Notion split into, into two parts. One is like to do's, which is pay accountant and buy plane tickets. And the other one is like, <laughs> ideas that i have and i never look at again <laughs> you know yeah that's my and i every day i add something to that ideas uh list and i never open it again you know but the idea stays in my head and i'm using it without knowing that that's you good know? at least you write it down for the first time and then maybe that's what makes it stick um Probably, I, yeah. I use it a lot for um the thing i use it most for actually is keeping track of um uh, podcast scheduling. Uh, it's mm -hmm. actually one of those things that's like weirdly really difficult to actually keep on top of um, mm -hmm. because I've only forgotten a podcast once and but it was very embarrassing when it happened. So uh, yeah, definitely no notions. Were Make, makes makes for a good story, right? You yeah. should uh, you shouldn't you are a great testimonial for uh, Notion. You know. Yeah, exactly. I, I think yeah. they have a refer. Um, they have a uh, affiliate program, but um, yeah, maybe I should reach out, try and get some cash from them. But I'm I'm on see. the free one. I'm on the free one, and they never ask for money. And I have un I think they gave me unlimited everything. You know. See, I was wondering this as well. Their service is uh, too good to be it, free. It used to be limited to like some amount of number of blocks. Oh right. A while ago, I remember. Mm. But then that limitation is not there anymore, so I don't need to pay for it. I never yeah, pay for it. My friend pays strange. for it. Yeah, I don't see why I'd need to pay for it with how good it is. So um, unless the program, I would though. I would if they would charge me money. I would. Uh, I would definitely pay for it because oh, I use yeah. it for a lot of things inside the business, not just for my note mm. taking. You know. Yeah, it's one of those things that's worth um, just worth paying for. I mean, but like we we're saying, obviously it's free, and uh, you know, if you're listening to this right now and you haven't downloaded Notion absolutely urge you to give it a try because it syncs across all devices there is a there is a four hour video on youtube how to build a second brain in notion i highly recommend watching that okay i haven't seen that one you'll have to uh, yeah. have to send that to me i'll put it in the description um of the podcast as well but yeah. that sounds like yeah. that's really worth checking out um, definitely it's going to teach you a lot of prog about programming if you watch it okay hmm. yeah it's cool. pretty pretty interesting yeah excel good. spreadsheets are really good as well if you want to learn programming and I'm not even joking. You know, you yeah. can create so many things with it. It's crazy. Yeah. I Excel spreadsheets from my degree um, doing business. I've wanted to avoid them ever since. <laughs> it's just bad memories of uh, working. I love them right now. All the functions. Yeah, I, I see why they're so good. I guess as well, if you're like working, because you're self-employed, right? I guess mm -hmm. uh, it's very useful for all kinds of things for that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And um, so, something that I guess links to this is a lot of people are, a lot of my listeners actually are people that are literally like leaving school or university. Um, mm -hmm. They've got in, uh, they didn't know what they wanted to do when they started. It's actually exactly the same case happened to me. Didn't know what they wanted to do when they get into university or school um, and are studying something unrelated, but they want to be a programmer. Uh, they've maybe got a little while before they graduate. So they've got some time to play with. Um, what do you advise them to do right now if they want to get a job within the year, say, example, uh, to use your example? I guess the first thing that I would do is figure out exactly the field that I want to play in. 
you know, so I cannot speak for backend AI, machine learning, all this stuff. But if you are talking about frontend, just understand what the frontend developer does and what is the job of a frontend developer. And then you have to reverse engineer from there. You know, it's, it's the, the main idea is to have like some sort of plan that you can follow, you know, um, and when that plan goes wrong, don't jump on another plan thinking that's going to be easier. You know, it's the, the green gets greener where you water it, you know, it's yeah. not on the other side of the fence, you know? So that was one of my biggest mistakes. I was jumping from thing to thing, try, thinking that that's going to be the magic pill, but the magic pill was actually forgetting about like getting my basics. You have your basics. And I guess the problem is identifying when you have the basics, mm. you know, because you don't know if you have the basics, you keep going and keep learning different things. But if for some reason you say, okay, now I have the basics, then you have to try replicating things that you are seeing uh, or interacting with while you are on the internet, you know, mm. that's the s simplest way that I can put it. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And a parallel between, I know we keep calling back to it, but the parallel between the music production and learning to be a web developer, uh, for me, like I used to practice um, my music production by replicating uh, existing big EDM tracks um, in FL Studio. And I did a similar thing uh, when I really had just started to understand how everything worked in the DOM. Uh, I would literally just inspect Element and just change things on Google's page, um, you know, uh, just to figure, right, what goes here? How, how can I mess about with the styles uh, and that kind of thing? And um, obviously all your in my opinion, all your projects shouldn't be like clones of popular websites. Like you should have your own independent projects. But um, in in terms of that, it's a, yeah, I agree. It's a really good way to uh, to get a grip of how enterprise um, how enterprise layouts actually work for front end. Um, which I think the majority of people who want to get into it with a non technical background tend to default front end. And if you're listening yeah. and you're not sure, then I personally, maybe I'm biased, I mainly do front end. I, I would advise getting into front end. It's probably the easiest break into that uh, computer science degree. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and um, obviously uh, the way a lot of people actually kind of learn to code these days, um, if especially without that background, is the bootcamp model. And obviously there's good bootcamps, bad bootcamps, and um, I don't want to get sued for libel, so I'm not going to mention the bad bootcamps. Um, but uh, a lot of the problem is across all of them, good or bad, a lot of candidates end up uh, looking relatively similar. How would you say for a junior person um, who's come out of that 12-week bootcamp, uh, they know how to code now, they're ready to get a job, but their portfolio and CV looks the same as everyone else. How can they stand out from the crowd? That's a very difficult because bootcamps are my competitors. So I'm not sure um, <laughs> if I can comment on this without being biased, you know, so. Yeah. Um, not even just bootcamps. So like even just someone who's self-teaching because a lot of projects there, aren't there is, there is, um, from my experience, right? And uh, seeing both self-taught developers and bootcamp grads, they have the same the same problem. And the problem is that they don't have experience. And what is experience? Because we have to define experience. I'm not referring to commercial experience, which obviously they don't have, but experience means understanding something well enough, 
understanding the intricacies of a specific technology or of, of a specific uh, uh, discipline, right? Which in this case is front-end or web dev in general. Well, they, they don't have experience. They have exposure. They, they are exposed to the backend, to a database, to the front-end, to a state management system, to a library like React. They have exposure. And that means they know a bit about React. They know a bit about that. But they've never had experience working just with React for six months. Do you know what I mean? Like six months straight, eight hours per day of just React, if that's even possible, or React and Redux, you know, like, yeah. and working on the same app for three months. That's a None big culture of- shock when, when, when you get into a job and you realize how long term you're working on the same thing for. Like even you, just you, two for years. a year, a year, two years, and most most people, they have an app that they've built in two weeks. For them, that app is amazing, right? Mm. But they don't know, they don't know any better. So when they get rejection after rejection, they don't know why because the bootcamp or the Udemy course told them, "Hey, this is all you need." But in reality, you need something long term, right? Because if you'd have a candidate, right, you want to look at their GitHub, especially if they're a junior. And then when you see that they've been working on the same project for three months, you'll be like, hmm, interesting. Let me have a look, you know. And then and then you see that they know how to use Git properly, right? You see that they've mm. been using some sort of branching strategy. Um, they didn't push just to master like most people there are some good things happening in there you know but in two weeks what can you do in two weeks like me and you we we know that in two weeks we are just setting up the project you know what i mean because the pace is so much slower in terms of like what you because we have to be more thorough and you have to exactly. make sure that all the if you want to test it properly like even like i'm building the back end of code career at the moment and uh, mm-hmm. more or less gone public in the um in the, uh it will be a jobs platform and mm-hmm. actually the more I think about it, the more the scope increases and the more I delay my launch date that I will properly launch it because it's a long-term thing. It's true. And uh, last year in November, like one year ago, I was trying to launch a website as well. And I had the same problem as you with the egg, <laughs> uh, the egg and the chicken problem. And I, I took, I was trying to build this landing page and I've created uh, folders for components for, uh, for my uh, fonts for everything. And I was like, what am I doing? This should be just a simple HTML page and I'm creating this Gatsby monster, you know? Yeah. Like, what's wrong with me? You know, I should just get it done, you know? But yeah. we, we just think too much in the future. And the reason why I'm saying work on a project for three months is because you'll build that long-term vision. So when you jump in a job, you'll be able to think long-term instead of just jumping straight into code because that's the only thing that you know. Yeah. And yeah. I think just generally the fact that even even to someone, like we say, three months, if you've worked on the same project for three months, you're immediately going to stand out to even, um, yes, a technical recruiter is not going to be able to know about your version control version control strategy or anything like that, but the, the hiring manager will and the recruiter will see, oh, look, um, this developer has been working on this project for more than three months. And like, it doesn't necessarily matter what it is. If it's uh, speaking as the ex-recruiter, it, it, if it's something that is uh, maybe technically, um, sorry, 
commercially viable, then that's a huge plus because you shows you've always got a business brain on you as well. But even just anything that works uh, works really well for an end user that the recruiter can have a play around with, you're going to be straight to the front of the queue, especially as a junior. Don't put a login. <laughs> Don't put a login on your application. If I could say something, stop doing that. I know you yeah. are excited about authentication and authorization with... Mm. Uh, oh, uh, what's the name of that library? I forgot. Uh, what, passport? Uh, Auth0. Zero. Oh, oh, zero. Zero. I hate Auth0. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I know you, you love it. You've created your <laughs> MongoDB CRUD thingy there where you can add users and stuff like that. Yeah. I know, it's amazing. But let the recruiter open your app and play yeah. with it before you shoot yourself in the foot with your uh, login system. Then another thing is don't put it on Heroku, especially if you have the free plan. Absolutely. Because it takes 10, 15 seconds. And like a recruiter doesn't care about it. Like a recruiter is like a normie. Yeah. Doesn't know anything about technology. He's click on your, on your website and it's like after 0.5 seconds, he says or she says, this doesn't work. Bye. Well, I, I saw that a million times. I, I, I didn't realize until I started learning to code uh, and I was in an office full of recruiters in London. And if you had it on a Heroku free plan, like your portfolio, it it doesn't warm up for 30 seconds. And people yep. would be like, oh, you know, he's, um, why, why even bother That's to Julia. buy that portfolio? Doesn't even, yeah. And it was only when I found out, it was like, oh, actually, wait, guys, there is actually a problem here. You have to wait 30 seconds. But the amount of people that might have ended up getting rejected or at least looked upon worse because their portfolio, we thought, didn't work. And actually, it was just loading up. You like, should use a free option. Like, Vercel is great. I don't know if you've used that. That's what I'm using. That's what I'm using, yeah. yeah. So I guess the most, the biggest problem with uh, people is that they should have common sense. Yeah. <laughs> Which common yeah. sense is not that common, you know. And the things that I'm teaching, the things that I'm showing are are so basics. But the basics are the, like, the meat and the potatoes of software development. You know, you don't need the, f the fancy things to get things done. It's always a big, like, sports cliche, but um, doing the basics right will often win you the game. Exactly. Exactly. Like, if you go, if you go, if you go in the gym, right, if you do just mm -hmm. the bench press, the deadlift, the squat, and the rows, you are done. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need anything else. I try and avoid it. the cardio. I like doing that, but I try and avoid the cardio. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, it, it, it does the job, right? You don't need yeah. anything else. If you have just those four yeah, or five the compounds. exercises, that's it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I guess for people, we've talked a little bit, uh, we talked mainly about juniors here. Um, for people that are already a junior in the sense that they've got a job, mm. uh, how, how, do you say, how would you say you can level up? Because obviously the learning never stops, right? So for me, I, I'm a special case here. Um, yeah. I think I got to like maybe senior level, at least in pay in two years. That's good. So, so yeah, um, I don't know exactly what I did. I mean, I know what I did, but I know how, I don't know how, um, how easy it is to reproduce this thing that I've done. So what, after, after I got hired, I started interviewing for my first job. I got hired two weeks in, I started interviewing every month and i was getting so good at it uh one uh, recruiter actually called my boss and uh, she told him that i'm looking for a new job and my boss told me like hey are you looking for a job yeah yeah anyway but i got really good at it 
and I got really confident. You know, it it wasn't about solving puzzles because I've never been good at solving puzzles and I never cared about it, but because I was so confident and, you know, like juniors have like this thing where they say, can I, can I have 30, 35 grand per year, please? You know, mm. with that squeaky voice, you're not going to get more money, you know, but if you're like, yeah, I would just want 50 grand. Thank you. You know, I think I became more confident and I knew what I wanted from the beginning. I wanted to make 50 grand a year. That was my goal when yeah. I got into the industry. So uh, I said, I'm going to get that in maximum one year after I get hired. And I got that, you know. So uh, that was my goal from the beginning. And I I went, I interviewed a lot. I got really good at it. Uh, recruiters liked me. So I understand them. Uh, so they gave me the job, you know? Mm. Yeah. I think people overcomplicate it a lot in the sense of like, actually, it. if you go in there and you know exactly what you want and you're already in a position of power if you already have a job and you're, um, and you're or looking for a new one, especially in this market at the moment, like it, it's a good position to be in. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's that that is, it's definitely one of the best ways um, to improve is by, is by interviewing. And to be honest, anyone listening that's really worried about how their employer might react, if your employer finds out that you're interviewing somewhere else and fires you for it, uh, first off, you can probably sue for wrongful dismissal. And uh, second off as well, um, it's probably not the kind of company you want to work for anyway, if they're so bothered about someone potentially interviewing somewhere else, you know. And three, you can find a new job because that's what you're yeah, interviewing. Exactly. Like, you know, if you if you know React, which is what we've basically been talking about this entire podcast, you at the moment in 2021, you're not going to struggle to to get a job if you if you know it and you commercially work with it. Like it's not yeah. Yeah. And you can even make more money as well. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's all about how you know, how far are you willing to go, you know? And yeah. I'm I'm a um, money-driven person as everyone is but i'm more upfront than pretty much everyone else <laughs> with it so i'm gonna if i need to get a job i'm gonna get the job and i'm gonna get paid for it well, so. yeah fair enough fair enough and obviously the ultimate money hack um particularly in the uk because of the market uh is if you do really if money is is the main goal um becoming a contractor uh, is probably the best yeah. way to go um yeah for sure like yeah um 500 to a thousand per day yeah yeah exactly like it's, it's the best way to go um if if the pure money like you can have a very fulfilling and financially rewarding career as a permanent employee as well but contracting in terms of pure financials is is i think with the exception of the us because of different regulations it's the best way to go certainly in europe uh europe and the uk and you know why it's so good because i've been a contractor for the past two and a half years something like that the best thing is at least in czech republic I've been contracted to a company in Switzerland through a company in the UK. So that's how I've been dealing with uh, stuff. Okay. Yeah. So I'm paying really, really small taxes, 16% out of 60% of the revenue. And then, you know, when I go into to a holiday, that's a business expense because right now I'm shooting content, you know, and I have to pay for the planes, for the Airbnb. That's a business expense. My laptop, that's a business expense. They get 20% back, uh, the VAT. This mic, business expense. AirPods, business expense. Phone, business expense. Car, business expense, you know. So then my profit gets smaller, my taxes get smaller. Yeah. 
uh, definitely an invest. Uh, I, I I heard you mention the accountant earlier on. I was going to say, if anyone's thinking about this, invest in an accountant because I was a contractor when I was a recruiter for a while and I tried to do it all myself. It's not worth it. Just get an accountant. No, get an accountant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I, I mean, you in get the two end, accountants. Uh, yeah. I have two accountants now. One that's doing monthly stuff for me and one that's I'm um, consulting with him uh, every now and then to see if I have to fire the current accountant. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I actually got my mum to do it. So if, if you're listening, mum, nice. thank you. Uh, much appreciated. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I mean, um, yeah, I, I think that's all uh, all really good um, advice and people take a lot from it. Um, would, would you like to talk a little bit more about um, what, what you do and how you're helping people and, and your business uh, as well? Um, so I have, uh, I have a very simple strategy is, um, I looked at what I did when I got hired. Um, and I identified the key applications that I have built that helped me understand that concept, this concept, etc., etc. There are probably 20, 30 of them. So I identified in which way I should put them in. So I've created some sort of roadmap for people to follow. Uh, And then what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get them to a point where they can understand like at least the basics of building a React application. Where they get to that point, what they'll receive is mock-up designs for an application that looks like it's from the real world. Again, I'm trying to mimic the real world environment, which is you get a design from the designer, right? You don't come up with it. Most junior devs, they have to come up with a design and with the app idea. We both know that as developers, we don't come up with those things. We are getting uh, instructions, right? Or requirements. So I'm doing that for them. So I remove two jobs away from them. And they start building this application. They have a lot of problems. They have to figure out how to use the previous learned patterns into building this application. They do that. And after three, four months, they come out on the other side with a nice looking application. So the recruiters can give them a chance. And then when developers look at their code, they see the the code that's been reviewed, they had PRs, et cetera, et cetera, comments, they see all that stuff. I'm trying to replicate the real world um, work environment as much as possible. The only thing that's missing is the pressure. They don't have the pressure that they'll be fired if they don't deliver, you know, but I'm trying to fix that before they get into the job so they don't have that um, that pressure, if that makes sense. Um, and the last thing that I do, and I've been giving away on LinkedIn different things, one of them is uh, how to find the jobs. So there is a, I'm using search queries as well to connect with people on LinkedIn. And I have used the same kind of search queries to find jobs on LinkedIn. So I think I gave those away for free. In a video, I explained how to use them. I don't remember exactly, but a few months ago, I, I think I've done that. Um, so I showed them how to do that. It's pretty simple. Then I created a DM strategy so they can connect with those people from those companies that are hiring so they can get an interview faster the it's literally copy paste but when the recruiter or the hiring manager looks at it they can't even tell so that's good uh so they can get jobs uh or job interviews faster then i have i think i've made a video about that as well 
and there people can find it on my LinkedIn profile. They can comment under that post and then I can give them the link for the video. It's like the entire thing with an explanation for every single step. That's pretty much what I do. It's not rocket science, but it's the basics that do the job. You know, it's not fancy. It's really complicated. Um, I don't think it's for the people that are looking for a quick fix. And it's not really a three month thing. Um, definitely not. Uh, there has to be a lot of motivation from their side. I'm not here to like take them by the hand and ask them, hey, can, have you done that? I'm not, I'm not a nice guy either, you know? So if I see that they're doing bad things with their code, I'm literally jumping on them, you know, like, yes. um, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an asshole with a heart. That's how I feel myself, you know? <laughs> I'm not sure uh, biologically possible that is, but yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. 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 So <laughs> I, like I, I am, I am nice. I'm nice, but not that nice. You know, like I am positive. I'm motivational. I'm uh, inspirational, you know, but when it comes to doing your job, you have to do it properly. You know, that's the only thing I care about. And I want to see that you do more than the minimum work, you know? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what it takes to stand out, page. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to, got to put in the work, work smart, work hard, work smart and hard is the best way to do it. Um, yeah. for, for sure. And the, uh, the best way for people to, um, get in touch with you is that, uh, via both your LinkedIn and your website or, uh, I guess my LinkedIn and my, uh, YouTube channel. Okay. You know, cool. uh, you can link those in the description. Yeah. They'll be in the description. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's great. They can uh, message me there. They can follow me. They can stalk me there. That's that's fine. Good stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, we've been connected on LinkedIn for uh, quite a while now, I think, and I've I've always enjoyed sort of seeing your content. So definitely, uh, definitely worth it, listeners. Um, dropping a dropping a follow for sure. Uh, and um, yeah, that uh, all sounds really good. But I really appreciate you coming on. Um, it was great to catch up, and I've definitely learned a lot about learning techniques and. Um, I wish I'd, I wish I'd sort of set myself that initial goal. That's my big, my biggest takeaway. I wish I'd told myself you need to get a job within a year because, uh, yeah, yeah that definitely helps. Yeah, for sure. And if you're listening right now and you're learning, if you're going to take one piece of advice from that, uh, from that whole episode, that that's what you need to do for sure. All right. Thanks Cameron. Well, th thanks so much for coming on and uh, thank you listener as well for checking out this week's episode of The Code of Career. I uh, hope you have a great week and you can check out all the links in the description and don't be afraid to uh, join our Discord as well when I finally get it up and running again. The link, of course, will be in the description.